Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 125. If you're not afraid of failure, what are you going to do? You're going to take risks. You're going to put yourself out on the edge. You know, you're going you're gonna to make that run in the river. You know, if you're not afraid of fail, if you're afraid of failing, you're going to be tight, tense, and tentative. You're going to be like looking at ways that, God, this could go wrong. What if I hit this rock? What if, you know, blah, 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 as opposed to the men- Mamba mentality, which is, no, I can't fail. Hit it. That's what I'm talking about. Wait. Okay, now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome I am your host, Nick Troutman, and this is the show where we search for that secret sauce to success and the difference between the average and the awesome. And today is a Monday. Uh, almost had to think about what day of the week it is, but today is Monday, which means we've got another deep dive interview. Um, and today I am very excited to bring this guest to you, Jerry Lynch. Jerry is a champion athlete himself, as well as a doctor in sports psychology, public speaker, and best-selling author of, I think, something like 15 books, including uh, world-renowned titles and, and my personal favorite, Thinking Body, Dancing Mind. This book was actually introduced to me probably 10 plus years ago, and I have shared this with many different athletes uh, since then. It has had just a, a phenomenal impact on my competition mindset and and honestly, my everyday life. Um, and there are aspects of this book that I implement into uh, my daily life, or at least I certainly try to, uh, for the past 10 years. Jerry has created what he calls the way of the champion, and he has worked with some of the highest uh, performing athletes and coaches, um, such as uh, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. We also talk about how his books have have had a, a huge impact with with Phil Jackson, the head of uh, NBA championship teams like the Chicago Bulls, and and Steve Kerr, the coach of the Golden State Warriors. And obviously, we're talking a lot about basketball and basketball athletes right now. But but during our conversation, we really dive into the world of whitewater kayaking which Jerry says he isn't necessarily super familiar with, but we talk about how this would apply to that. And, and really, the conversation dives into more of the competition mindset and how not only does this apply within all athletics, but also how this applies to parenting, applies to business, and, and truly our everyday life with this Zen mentality or the Mamba mindset, as Jerry likes to explain in dedication to Kobe Bryant. We also talk a lot about Jerry's latest book called The Competitive Buddha. And again, Jerry has uh, dedicated that book to Kobe Bryant, but really just some phenomenal information and 
how we can take this meditative mindset and transform our lives by by trying to live out and and be instead of just think of what we want and wish and dream. Anyway, some really cool conversations. Um, and as someone who's read many of his books, uh, I was just very excited to talk with him about some of these subjects and topics. And I had goosebumps several different times throughout our conversations as not only could I relate what he was talking about to my past competitions, but as well as how I can improve and do better in uh, upcoming competitions and mindset, as well as just honestly, like what we said um like what I said earlier, my everyday life, my parenting, all of this can apply to so much beyond just athletics and competing. So lots of amazing information, and I'm very excited to to share this with you. So let's dive right into it. Here is Dr. Jerry Lynch. Jerry, you are a champion athlete yourself, a doctor in sports psychology, and a public speaker, top-selling author of 13-plus books including the world-renowned titles of Thinking Body, Dancing Mind, The Way of the Champion, and your most recent title, The Competitive Buddha, which I just uh, read this fall. You've worked with some of the highest-performing coaches, teams, and athletes, and you've racked up a whopping 73 conference championships, 54 Final Fours, and 39 national championships, which is mind-blowing to even think about. Um, And your Way of the Champion blends Eastern Taoism with Native American tradition and sports psychology for extraordinary results in leadership, coaching, athletics, and life. And, and I can truly say that after reading your books, it has helped me so much with, with my personal athletics, but it is, it's so true how it blends perfectly with the everyday life. And, and honestly, it, uh, it was the first thing that opened me up and just how much life and sports interact and how it's all kind of the same and business too. It's all, it's all so similar. Um, but I wanted to kind of start off and, uh, and ask kind of where it all started for you at the big, at the beginning, how did you get into sports psychology and, uh, implementing Eastern thought pattern and, and Native American traditions into into sports psychology and just whether it was your performance or or your coaching. Yeah, well, uh, let me let me start off. Uh, I'll answer the question, Nick. But uh, you know, I, I'm honored to be here. Uh, you're a champion too, as I understand it, and uh, we have we have strong connections with other champions together, uh, and that's the reason why I'm here today. So. Uh, to, to have a champion like yourself recognize the value of things that I'm writing and talking about uh, is, a, is a complete honor for me. So uh, with that said, uh, yeah, so how did I get going with this stuff? Well, I've always been a student of philosophy. Uh, I've been a, a gym rat from the time I was, I can remember, like maybe five years old. I always went to the gym. I love the smell of a gym in a locker room. Imagine that, right? That's uh, awesome. If I could, if I could bottle it, I'd put it into a bottle and spray it on every day. Uh, but uh, philosophy was always one of my uh, strong suits. Uh, my major in college was English literature, if you can believe that. And uh, I wound up teaching creative writing in high school and English lit. And so I've always had a love for writing. I've always had a love for philosophy. I've always had a love for sports. I mean, how lucky and how fortunate am I to find something which could bring together all of my passions 
in the same place. So when I write a book that integrates Eastern thought, like Buddhist thought or Taoist thought with Western psychology and Native American tradition, I'm writing, I'm using philosophy and I'm talking about sports and I'm talking about life because to me, uh, my work, you know, uh, at one point it was about making a living, but once I realized that it's not ma about making a living, it's about making a difference, it completely changed my whole mindset. And uh, so it didn't matter whether I made $50 for this talk or uh, $10,000 for that talk. It, it, what mattered was, am I making a difference? Am I relevant? Uh, and, and so what I discovered, and, and I'm alone with this. I mean, when I first started this kind of thinking and writing, it was in the 1970s. Nobody, nobody was doing this. And, uh, you know, in fact, my, uh, <laughs> the funny story, uh, the, uh, my department head in psychology, uh, I was, he knew I was a writer. Uh, you know, I, I was one of those compulsive binge writers. I did my dissertation for my PhD in, in three weeks. Wow. The, write, the writing of it. Yeah. I, I sat down for 10 hours a day and just wrote for 21 straight days. Uh, I get high when I write. I mean, really, it's like running, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, people wonder, well, how can you do that? Well, I, you know, how can you eat every day? Because I love to eat Well, I love to do this, you know. Uh, but anyway, so he said to me, uh, uh, you know, traditional psychology, right? And I said, to, I was so excited. And I said, uh, Joe, his name is Joe French. I said, uh, I've got this idea and I'm going to, I'm going to pursue it. And I, and I, I think it's going to be really good. And that is, I want to bring in a Taoist Buddhist thought into this Western psychology. And he looked at me with this strange look and he said, uh, good luck with that. <laughs> and, and, and your, your laughter tells me you get it. I mean, like it was sarcastic, you know, it wasn't like, Jerry, God, I wish you the best with that. Cause it's a great idea. It was like, no, good luck with that. So that's, that's how it started. And that, that internalized for me a strong desire and motivation to prove him wrong. Yeah. That, uh, indeed, this is something that can happen. And, and when I started working with athletes, when I discovered my real calling, because I've never had a job really, uh, th this, is, this is work of the heart. And uh, I, I realized I, I don't want to really make a difference, uh, make, it, make a living as much as I wanted to make a difference. I started seeing athletes like crave the things I was talking about. And to my delight, I, uh, I realized that I have something here that, that might really help other people. But I was a competitive athlete at the time and uh, I was running nationally, internationally, sponsored by Nike. I was a distance runner and I was using all of these strategies and techniques. I was competing like the Buddha and uh, you know, I would, I would meet someone like you, Nick, at a race, and, and I would wish you the best in the race, and I hope you run your best today. Because if you did, you'd pull me through something. Maybe I would go to another level. So I saw my competitors as partners, and I practiced that. I, when I would lose a race or not do well, I always saw my loss as, a, as a, uh, an amazing opportunity to learn. And, and get better from that loss. I was always a better athlete because of the setbacks. And so when I started working for me, I said, you know, maybe I can do this. And, and I was told by the experts, uh, you'll never be able to do that because no, no one will buy it. And you're not going to be able to publish a book like that. 
and uh, you know, you won't make a living doing it. Well, I've got, I'm on my 15th book now. And, and I mean, it just keeps rolling and, and publishers keep wanting my books and people keep wanting to, to hear what I have to say. And I'm thrilled because everything that I say and everything that I write, it's, it's really from my own betterment and, and I get to be a better version of myself. So that's basically the short version of a very long story. Uh, one that starts with a lot of discouragement, uh, a lot of frustration, a lot of fear, a lot of doubt. But what I had to do is I had to rely on this philosophy, these new ways to overcome the fear, to overcome the doubt. And I obviously have. And now, Nick, uh, how many years later, 40 years later, uh, I have people from all over the country uh, that I work with who, who, who want a piece of this. I have professors at universities who are using my books. Uh, I have young sports psychologists uh, just out of graduate school contacting me saying, God, I just love this approach. How can I do it? And what can I do to, to implement? So I'm having an influence. Um, and uh, I have a big smile on my face because uh, it, it can't get any better than that. You know? No, that, that's in, it's incredible. I love your story about how, how you were discouraged at the start uh, when, when one coming up with this kind of idea of taking, you know, Taoism and just Eastern thought and, and applying it into sports, but also writing a book about it. It reminds me just how many people that, you know, history shows us that you can look back at and think like, oh, wow, they are, you know, pinnacle of success or whatever. And how many people along the way have told them like, oh, you'll never do that. Oh, that'll never take off. Do you know what I mean? Um, and so this is just another phenomenal example of that. And and I'm glad that you did go through with uh, with sharing these ideas with the world because I think you have helped. I, I couldn't even tell you how many people. It, I would have guessed it'd be in in the millions, maybe multi millions. A lot of people. I'm 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 assuming have uh, have been helped by by these ideas, and um, I couldn't. I don't even know how many books that I've shared that are yours with with other athletes. It was actually shared by. It was it was introduced to me by a world champion friend of mine. Um, I had read it, I think, right after I actually won the worlds, and and I've shared it with so many other athletes that uh, another good friend of mine. I, I introduced him to the book, and he got second place at one of the world championships. And he says, without that, um, without reading that book, he never would have performed that well. It goes to show that I don't know. It, sharing these ideas can be so powerful and, and that Zen like mentality of like getting second place. Like some people, like I think in your book, you talk about this where, you know, some people just aim for first place or gold or whatever. And it's, it's kind of like the, the end all be all, but, but your books talk way more about the, the journey and the, the striving for excellence instead of just that podium uh, or the first place. And, and, being, you know, ecstatic with a second place finish, it just goes to show that he got more out of the book than than maybe what he even realizes because it wasn't just about, you know, that first place finish. Yeah, you're 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 uh you're you're very kind in your comments and and I want to thank you for sharing this with others. It's people like you out there that spread this word. And and you know, when you spread the word, uh it's not about Jerry going to the bank 
you know, cha-ching uh, money. I mean, it's not that. It's like, what a better world it is if we're, if we're using methods and we're using um, ways that, that, that enable people to reach their full human capacity, number one. Number two, be happy and joyful in the process. And I talk a lot about that in my books. What a concept, huh? Competing in a big event and even if you don't get first, you still feel joy. Yeah. And, and, and that, that's anathema to, to most Western sports. You know, when you combine Eastern thought with Western sport, uh, you have a very different athlete. You have a very different environment. And uh, so what you're talking about with these others and yourself uh, being a, a world champion, uh, for me to hear that, I, I can't tell you how that just motivates me to keep going. You know, I, you know, people like, uh, you know, a friend of mine, Phil Jackson, some Jackson's a big name in, in your sport. I know this, but <laughs> I, I'm not talking about uh, Eric. Well, I think Phil Jackson's a pretty big name as well in, in a lot of different sports, but yeah. yeah, yeah. He sort of made a name for himself uh, after 11 championship rings, uh, uh, well, he used my books and he loved the books and has endorsed all of the work that I've done. But my point is that uh, he gave Michael Jordan a copy of that thinking body, Dancing Mind. Now, Michael Jordan, right? He doesn't need anything. He's good enough. But when, if you go back to the story, when, when the, the Bulls won their championship, I think it was 1998 against Utah. I think that's the year. And he hit that winning shot uh, at the buzzer. He ran over to the bench and, and told Phil, this Zen stuff really works. That, that, that was awesome. his words. Yeah. And, 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 and I want to say to the listeners there, and again, I, I, I don't, it doesn't matter to me personally uh, whether listeners want to buy a book like this, but if, if, if you're satisfied with your life, don't even think about reading what I'm reading. I mean, uh, that might screw things up. You know, I don't want to do that. <laughs> But but if if you have vision and you, and you would and you aspire to uh, realizing more of who you are, and I, I emphasize who you are because you'll find out who you are, which is really fun to find out, uh, and and to compete and or even not competing, just to live and and be a better version of yourself, uh, I, you know this makes a difference, and 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 I know that that that, that it's helpful. And, and it, it, bottom line is, uh, it's, it's helped me. <laughs> it, it helps me in my life as a, as a dad, I have four kids, uh, they're in their thirties now. Uh, it helps me in my relationship. So it's, it's life changing. It's not, it's not just, you don't have to be an athlete per se. You don't have to run the river, so to speak, uh, to get anything out of this. Uh, you can do that, but you can also, uh, uh, take on the river of life uh, with its ups and downs and it's uh, uh, all of it. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree completely. And, and it's, uh, it's so for me anyway, extremely powerful in the sense that it's beyond just athletics, extremely powerful within athletics and, and just the, the state of mind and, and being for competing, but it, it trans, it's way beyond just uh, just competing and, and really kind of goes into the everyday life. Um, in, in your new book, 
competitive Buddha that I've got here. Um, in the the forward, you talk about how it's dedicated to Kobe Bryant, who's obviously a phenomenal player and and someone who is missed by many. Um, in the book, you talk a lot about his mindful Mamba mentality. What do you believe made him so mentally tough, and and what can we all take away from that uh, and maybe apply to our own lives? I think uh, great question, uh, and and I'm glad you picked up on that. And I did dedicate this book to him. Uh, I wasn't always a fan of of uh, Kobe Bryant. In the beginning, he was a little bit edgy, and uh, he wasn't the the person that his teammates could. What should I say? He wasn't uh, very highly admired. I mean, his basketball skill we admired, but as a person, you know, he wasn't the leader that he needed to be. And, um, and of course, Phil Jackson went to the Lakers and, and that changed everything for him because Phil, you know, often affectionately regarded as the Zen master, although uh, he, he's not going to uh, say he's a Zen master, but uh, he, Phil has a deep appreciation for Zen and Tao and, and he's read several of my books and he, he has a habit of giving books to his players. You know, as I said, with Michael, he gave one, well, Phil got in touch with me at one point and said, would you mind sending Kobe a cut? And I want to clarify this because otherwise it will come across. I don't want it to come across in in the wrong way. And I will clarify that I'll, I'll do a, 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 I'll say something about this, but uh, so Phil said, said, could you send a copy of the way of the champion, which is, uh, which is my brand, the way of the champion. But, uh, and in that book, in the last section, it has a, uh, uh, a section for athletes on leadership and uh, how to be a better leader as a teammate, how to be a better teammate. And, you know, he read it. And to his credit, he read it and he loved it. And, uh, he was interviewed by the Orange Gazette at one point, and, he, and the Orange Gazette asked him about, you know, we notice a difference in certain things. He said, yeah, I've been reading this book, uh, Way of the Champion, by this guy, uh, Jerry Lynch. And, and uh, it really made me think more about, you know, what I can contribute. And that book, that section that he read is life-changing for those who are open to it and ready for it. And he was ready. And of course he had Phil talking to him about it. And Phil, as he did with Michael uh, and he did with uh, Shaq, you know, he said, you know, if Mike, like Michael, you, you could score, you could score 45 points a game, but if you want to win a championship, you shouldn't score more than 28 points a game. <laughs> what wow. he was saying was you got to share the ball. You got to give it to others. You got to make other others on your team better. Yep. And uh, Phil was saying that to Kobe, but um a dear friend of mine, um, uh, his name is George Mumford. You might have heard of him. He wrote a wonderful book called, and I'll give him a shout out for this, uh, inspired me to write my book, The Competitive Buddha, actually. Uh, but George wrote a book called The, uh, the uh, Mindful Athlete. Well, George worked with Phil, with the Bulls, and, and he brought the mindfulness package to the Bulls organization. And Phil invited him to do that. Well, when Phil went to the Lakers, the same thing happened. He invited him to go to the lake, come to the Lakers 
and, and, and teach them in what they call the warrior room uh, by invitation. You didn't have to, it wasn't, Phil never made anything mandatory like this. If you wanna come, come, we're gonna do, we're gonna do some mindfulness training. And so George trained these guys and George became a good friend of Kobe. Wow. And the, yeah, right. And uh, so that didn't hurt because when, when Kobe got my book, I guess what happened was uh, he saw the connection between, because my book, The Way of the Champion, is the, really the trans, um, a partial translation of Sun Tzu's The Art of War, which if any of you listen, listeners haven't read, put that book on your list as well. Uh, the art of war. And um, so George, uh, George introduced them. And then, then along came the way of the champion. And then this is the way I see it. And then Kobe liked that. And, but to the day he died, tragically, uh, he was meditating every day. Now, meditation is one of those words that when I started out, people would go, ooh, goo, goo, ga, ga. This guy's from California. He's really weird, you know. Get rid of him. What what is he? What is this stuff? Meditation. It's a household word now. They're yeah. using it in they're using they use meditation now with the Navy SEALs in their training program. They use meditation in hospitals that are dealing with cancer patients. They use meditation in uh, all aspects of life. And so now it's like people find out, well you teach meditation. I say, yeah, I teach, I, I have a practice of my own and it, it helps me. I'll come in and teach him. Boy, back in the day, it was like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> stay away. You know you don't, yeah. Right. So that I'm coming all of this to say, uh, your question is, is profound and, and, and very observational. Uh, Kobe did practice meditation to the time he died uh, because now, because it, meditation is the Mamba mentality. Mm -hmm. If you want to have the Mamba mentality, you, you need to meditate, not because Kobe meditated, but because what meditation does is it helps you to focus. It helps you to clear your mind. It helps you to be the better version of yourself. And that's the Mamba mentality. And that's an ingredient that Kobe identified as something essentially absolute that we must adapt to our daily now whether you're a leader a, an athlete a father which you are by the way right yeah father you too two wonderful great little spirits running oh, around yeah <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. Uh, talk about a spiritual journey and and learning about yourself right oh seriously <laughs> all right so uh this whole thing this whole idea of of meditation and the mama mentality to be a better version of yourself and also, uh, as I say in the book, in that chapter about uh, Kobe, uh, that he was not afraid of failure. Right. And if you're not afraid of failure, what are you going to do? You're going to take risks. You're going to put yourself out on the edge. You know, you're going you're gonna to make that run in the river. You know, if you're not afraid of failure, if you're afraid of failing, you're going to be tight, tense, and tentative. You're going to be like, looking at ways that, God, this could go wrong. What if I hit this rock? What if, you know, blah, 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 as opposed to the men Mamba mentality, which is, no, I can't fail. And the reason he can't fail is because of the Buddha. And the Buddha says, all of your, all of your failure is a wonderful opportunity to learn so that you elevate your game. 
So if he would miss a, uh, a, a defensive assignment or, or miss a shot at a certain point, uh, it, it was okay. I mean, I mean, he'd rather make it, he'd rather be the better defender, but the Mamba mentality is you have compassion for yourself. And so many athletes, the, one of the, um, one of the virtues, uh, that, that are really lacking is self-compassion. You know, if I have a room of 3000 athletes, 2,999 of them are going to lack self-compassion. And where do we get that from? We get that through the meditation process, the Mamba mentality, you know, to, to be kind to yourself, to not beat yourself up. You know, like, like if you're, if one of your children make a mistake, I, you know, if they're on the water, which I, I'm almost certain that you take them out on the water, right? You probably take them skiing or whatever you do. (laughs) If they fall down or they make a mistake, you don't go over there and beat them in the head and, and say, what's wrong with you? And I told you how to do it. You go over and you pick them up and you put, put them in your arms and you hug them and you say, good job, big guy, way to go, you know, and, and come on, let's try it again. Let's get back in. I know you can do it. Yeah. That's what we need to say to ourselves because there's this little child inside every one of us that's screaming out for that love. And that love is self-compassion. And that's what the mama mentality is. Imagine that. Nobody looks at that. All they see is the big baskets, right? Yeah. They talk about the stats. They talk about this. They talk about that. But Kobe mentality, I'll tell you, it works because, uh, and it's very much aligned with the Buddha and very much aligned with the Tao and Native American tradition and the whole idea of family and coming together and working together for something bigger than than any one of us. Um, yeah. I, I love the I love the idea just that you're explaining behind behind self-love because it, it's so true how beyond just sports, but just like in, in a everyday life, how I forget exactly where I heard it, but um, that we, we too often say things that we would never say to our closest friends because they're too cruel, but we, we say them to ourselves in, in our own mind. And, and I think too often that we have that, that cruelty or, or just that, uh, defeatism or, or however you want to explain it. But, but we really in turn need to just have, have true self-love and, and have, and that's where that confidence comes from. And that's where the, the learning and the growth comes from. You, you talk about how Kobe, you know, is taking risks and, and it reminded me of my absolute best performances that I've ever done when I was the most confident ever. It, it was always when I'm, putting it all on the line, taking risk right off the bat, but, but feeling confident because of the skills, but also just of, of the mental state and being, being okay to try it. And, and I've also learned over the years, this one was a hard, hard lesson to learn and, and your book actually helped me a lot with it, but that you learn so much more through failure than, than through winning, or at least for me anyway, because yeah, go ahead. No, I I was just going to say, when you win, you, you, for me anyway, it's, it's too easy to, uh, to lean back and just be like, Oh, you know, it's because I'm so good or because of my skills or, or whatever you want to kind of lean back and say, well, that's why I win. Um, instead of thinking about, well, maybe you got lucky, maybe the judges or whoever could have been on your side, maybe it was there, there could be a flurry of different reasons, but, uh, when you lose, you somehow, or at least again, maybe this is just me. Um, it, it's too easy to, 
to uh, explain how you got unlucky instead of instead of saying how you got lucky when you win. When you lose, it's like, oh, well, I can't believe they gave the other people that point. I can't believe, you know, the ref or the judges was was on their side instead of mine or or these different things. And instead of thinking like, well, maybe I could be better. Maybe I could be mentally tougher. Maybe I could be stronger. Maybe my skills are just lacking. And instead of like, it's, it's easy to blame instead of do uh, a self-analysis of where you can improve and then vice versa. When you win, it's easy to say it's because you're the champion instead of referring to, well, maybe I also got a little bit of luck on my side on that side. So I don't know. I, 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 it's a hard lesson, but I find that I learned so much more um, out of a loss than out of a win. Well, you make a very good point. Nick, uh, about this winning and losing. And the thing I like most about what you say is, is you look at the people who win and you and I have both won at, at, a, at a very high level in our life. And, you know, we, 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 we celebrate, like I've been with 115 championship teams. That's a lot of winning. And, 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 and what I try to instill in, in, inside the, the, the hearts and, and minds of these athletes is look, you're celebrating. There's a team over there that's looking at you celebrate. How do you think they feel? And, and, and you're celebrating like this. And maybe, maybe it has nothing or maybe it doesn't have as much to do with how good you think you are as much as certain circumstances. Maybe that call at the end with the referee or maybe that was a whatever. And, and, and just be grateful for the fact that you were able to compete and you did come away with a victory and that feels good but we take too much credit. And when the problem is when we take so much credit for being great, then when we lose, it's even more devastating because yeah. now we're really terrible. Yeah. So my, my whole approach is, you know, if you win, be grateful and thankful and look at that team and go over there and, 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 and show compassion. Yeah. And, and, and when you lose, maybe they'll come over to you and show compassion. And then so that you can have self-compassion that you can, you can love yourself even in loss. But when you over overstep that, that place of victory and, and you take so much credit for it. Well, I mean, it's temporary Vic victory is uh, I can get all over the map with this one. Um, you know, uh, the Buddhists say, uh, you know, everything is short lived, you know, I mean, it's yeah. uh, impermanent. Impermanence is, you read it in that book. Okay, so you're going to lose and you're going to win. So if you get so high here on winning, so high that when you lose, it's going to be so down. But if you can sort of balance that out with a little equanimity, you know, just sort of balance it out, like feel good, be proud, be happy for each other and thank your opponent for showing up because if the opponent didn't show up and bring their best game, you wouldn't be able to demonstrate your greatness. Yep. And so you see this dance between give and take winning and losing. And there's no, you know, in, in the Eastern way of thinking, uh, loss is, is not devastating and winning is not the ultimate. And uh, loss is not, loss is winning. You know, I said 90, 99% of success is failure. Wow. I mean, I, you know, my, my best, the book you mentioned, uh, Thinking Body, Dancing Mind, that was rejected for publication 15 times. That's wild. What if you went for the world championship 15 times and you, you freaking like 15 times, you never came close. 
and, yeah. and, and so I just kept going. And, 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 and the way I could keep going, honestly, is I, I developed some self-compassion. I was easier on myself. I would say, you know, it's not the right time or it, it wasn't a good fit or they have other ideas of what they need to, to, to run their company. I'll just keep trying because I believe in the book. Well, how about I believe in myself? And even though I, that run was terrible and awful and I could have done better and I've trained harder and I know I, I'm better than what I showed, how about having some self-compassion and just look inside and say, you know what? I'm working hard. I'm, I've learned from this. When I go back again, I'll be a better athlete because of it. Or I made a mistake. Uh, I didn't get the job and I've been rejected five times in five interviews. Uh, Self-compassion. Well, I, it wasn't a good fit. Uh, maybe it wasn't the best thing for me. I don't know that. I mean, how many times have we gotten something in life and find out, oh my God, that was terrible. And I thought oh, I, I really, really wanted it. And, yeah. and by the same token, uh, you know, how many times have you been rejected that it made a big difference in a positive way? Uh down the line, you know? So, yeah, the funny story about that, Jerry, actually, is that, um, when I was super young and, uh, anyway, I was, I was trying out for the Canadian, uh, national team and I was winning the whole way through and I totally choked in the finals. And at the time, I think I'm, gosh, I must've been 15 or, or, probably 15. And it was like, that was like my end all be all at 15. Right. And so I'm thinking like, Oh, my world is over. Yeah, it's over. And the irony is looking back, I can trace my entire life back to that one point because, because of that, um, I ended up, uh, the Jackson family asked me to come travel with them and learn how to compete under, under Eric. And then through that, Emily and I obviously, you know, formed a great relationship. And then like down the, the line, uh, we started dating and then got engaged and, you know, got married, have kids, like all of that really, like I can trace that all back to like me losing an event and how at the time I thought it was devastating, but really it's like, that is the one thing that has probably more than anything else has put me on path for the life that I, that I live to today. So too often do I think that we, we take our losses and we stack them up as like this devastating thing. And, and you, it's hard always to tell in the moment, but I remind myself of that so often of like, well, maybe this is actually going to lead into something so much greater than I could have ever asked for. And, and I try, I, I try to remind myself the same with injuries or anything like that of just any, anything that maybe isn't positive where I'm trying to flip it on myself and be like, this could be a great blessing in disguise. Uh, and so, yeah. Anyway, that, that's my little side story uh, related well, to that. It's a great story, and it's extremely relevant to our conversation. And uh, I'm sure all your listeners out there could, if you just took a minute, think about something in your life right now to operationalize this concept. Think about times when you, when you lost or you, something happened to you. You didn't get the job. You didn't get this. You didn't get that. And all of a sudden, uh, because you didn't get it, uh, opportunities came for something else that you wouldn't have been able to jump on board with if you had gotten the other thing, you see? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it happens in all of life. Uh, you know, the most, the most devastating thing to me as a young man was, uh, you know, I went through a, a really very painful uh, divorce. Uh, not painful in terms of how 
we treated each other. Uh, we were very kind to each other. Uh, but I was married seven years. I, I got married young. And it, it was a mistake in retrospect. At the time, you know, I felt I was in love and we, we made this pact and what have you. But it turned out after seven years, it just wasn't working. Uh, I was devastated. Um, I never thought I'd be able to get on with life. I, I was in the middle of my doctoral program and uh, I dropped out. I actually dropped out. I moved away from Pennsylvania to Arizona, uh, went out to the mountains every day, ran out and just, I guess, meditated, but I, I didn't call it meditation, but I was just trying to figure out how I'm going to put my life back together again. From that devastation, I mean, I, I still have, I wrote notes that, you know, this is the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. It turns out it was the best thing that ever happened to me. In fact, I never did this, but I would like to write her a, uh, uh, a thank you card for, for sticking by her feelings about wanting it to end. And, you know, Nick, I, I met a woman. Uh, we've been together now for 45 years. Wow. And we've had four lovely children together. And, uh, you know, we might, I would say, be more in love now than we've ever been, uh, which is. Congratulations think, on that. Yeah, I mean, that's a minor miracle, right? In today's day and age, <laughs> a 45-year relationship, and you still love each other, like more maybe. But look at this, devastation. Like, my life is over. And then, bam, I meet this woman. And it was like, without her, I, everything I am today is a result of meeting this woman. I mean, my writing, my, my, the road I went down in terms of psychology, all, all to do with her. and. Uh, and here I am living and tell, talking about it and teaching it and, and what have you. And, you know, Phil Jackson, taking it back to the sports, uh, he once made a comment and he said, uh, without compassion and self-compassion, we would never have won a championship. That's how wow. powerful that was. Wow. And he said two things, compassion and love. And, uh, you know, think of the Chicago Bulls. Think of some of the players on the team. I, Michael, you know, challenge to work with as a teammate he was yeah. very demanding his team you know very hard on him and uh and and what about uh uh what's his name um Dennis Rodman I mean wonderful human being but a challenge and without that compassion they would not have won and 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 so I think a lot of you out there listening to this wonderful podcast uh thanks to Nick uh that's not think of ways of loving yourself because when you do, your life's going to take off. It's trust me. I mean, I see that every day. People I work with. It's and such, uh, how do you love yourself? Oh, you're, you're a human being. Love the fact that you're a human being and love your intention. You know, if you fail, your intention was pure. You know, you wanted to win. You wanted to do your best. You wanted to give your all. So, so focus in on what you are and how you're being. You're, you're being intentional and you're being kind and you're being, uh, hold yourself like you would a little child or how you would fry a fish delicately. Um, we need to be delicate with each other. We need to be delicate with ourselves. And when we do, now we can start talking about like going the distance and performing at extraordinary levels of our own human capacity, whatever that happens to be. Yeah. I, I regularly, um, 
talk about and, and practice gratitude. But but I think compassion and self-love is is another way of kind of using gratitude in the sense that you can practice that self-love with yourself beyond just, just being grateful. And it they're kind of very similar. And, and whether you call it one in another, I'm not sure, but just the idea to be to be compassionate and and careful how you speak to yourself. Uh, there's another, I forget how the quote goes, but it's something like, be careful what you say in your head because you're always listening. S- something along those lines. And, and so it just it reminds me of like how often we have to be kind to ourselves because your your subconscious is is always listening to everything every thought everything that you're you're ever thinking or saying in your head but and your and- thoughts are, your thoughts are so powerful our thoughts are so powerful that uh, it'll uh, it'll strengthen you or weaken you no question and uh, change your thought change the feeling that you have change your thoughts change your life thoughts yeah. direct you thought I, I, if i have a thought if a thought comes into my mind that I can't do something, then I'm going to sabotage all the things that I need to do in order to make that happen. And, and, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to change my thought to yes, I can instead of no, I can. Yeah. I'm going to see possibilities, not disabilities. When you see disabilities, what shows up? Disabilities. Uh, you're like, I got a quote here. Look, this is, This is going to go into my new book. I think I have it right here. Let me see. Um, This is, this is life in action. You and I right now, right? (laughs) Uh, So the story, which is the story you tell yourself, that's the thoughts that you have. The story Mm -hmm. you tell about your life becomes the story of your life. So true. So true. And so, So if you're telling yourself, I can't, and this, you know, I never could like people telling me you could never get a book published or if you do, it's not going to sell. And, and you can't be this. You can't work in this field. It, it, you know, it's, it's not going to work out. I mean, I just take whatever people are saying that that's negative and, and disability oriented. And I just take that same idea and I, I change it this way and I go down the other path. And I'm here to say to everyone that's listening is, you know, I'm not an extraordinary uh, I, I believe, I believe this, I, I'm, I'm not a big talent, but I work hard and, and, and I have the right thinking and it's the thinking that has gotten to me where I am, uh, you know, and using the skill set that I've been given and superimposing good thoughts and in order to do that, coming back full circle to the uh, self-compassion is I can't be thinking I'm going to become this and I'm getting down on myself. I'm not good enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not the other thing. Your your thoughts have to match the direction you want to go. And those thoughts are usually show up as being kind and gentle and and very self-directing and positive about, about who you are. I mean, come on. I don't care who it is out there. I mean, I've, I've coached people who are just so negative and so forth. They're very easy to dislike. And the environment is really harsh and their internal environment is harsh. But I see them as human beings. I see them as they're, they might be immature or they're certainly insecure or they have a lot and or they have a lot of fear. So examine those things. You, you know, if you're having a hard time with self-compassion, you might have a lot of fear in your life. And of course, fear is one of those words 
becomes an acronym, F-E-A-R. Uh, it stands for uh, false evidence appearing real, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you've heard that before. And, and, and so examine it, you know, examine your thoughts. Uh, your beliefs are... Your beliefs are limits to be examined and transcended, as uh, as uh, John Lilly once said. Yeah, I, I love how how you're talking about how powerful thoughts are because it it truly is. It's so true. And there was there was an exercise that I was told to do one time, or that I heard about, and and I tried it. And for anyone out there listening, I encourage you all to try this. Uh, if you're at home and you could do it right now, do it. If not, then do it later. But just start trying to do some push-ups on the ground. And tell yourself, I'm weak, I'm tired, I can't push. And they become impossible. It's super difficult. And then while just changing your thought pattern, start saying, I am so strong. I could do this. I could do this all day. This is easy. And instantly the push-ups become easy. And it's nothing has changed other than the power of the thought. And it just goes to show how powerful your thoughts truly are. I mean, it was actually... Another world championship event that I was at, um, Jerry, I, w- I was winning. We were going into the finals, and, and I was in first place. Um, and so in that scenario, uh, whoever's in first gets to go last in the heat, so I get to see all the different runs before me. And my brother-in-law, Dane, uh, he was in second place. He went right before me and had a phenomenal ride. And so I'm, I peel out of the eddy, and I'm about to drop in. And I had been a little bit flustered uh, going into into the finals. It usually, like I had been reading your book a ton, and and so I would meditate and and get in a calm state and everything before I would go compete. But just the way that the event happened, the timeline got changed, and and we were rushed into. I was uh, I was coaching my wife, and then it like immediately went straight into the men's finals, and so I had to like run, grab my shorts and gear on, and and jump in my boat. And I was like late for the finals already. They're like calling my name anyway so I was, I was a little flustered kind of going into it but Dane goes down throws down a phenomenal ride and then and I'm next and I peel out of the eddy and I'm about to drop into the wave and, and I'm about two feet from the wave dropping in and they announce his score and he threw down the, the highest score of the event so far I forget what it was a 1400 point ride or something like that and and immediately my thought was oh my gosh that's the highest score of the event so far I don't think I can beat it, which is the worst thing, as you know, that you could be thinking literally like fractions of a second before I'm about to start my competition. Long story short, I fumble. I literally, I go from like first place to, to fifth because that's all there wasn't in, in finals, but I'm fumbling, fumbling, and I, everything is unraveling horribly. And, and it was a very dark place for me mentally because it was just like I had been training so hard for this one event and and literally I had been studying your book at that time. And so I have to, even though the, the event's kind of going on, I get out of my boat and I go up into the woods and I just meditate. I lay down in the woods and just meditate uh, to myself. And, and it, it brings up uh, a wave of emotion right now, even just thinking about this because it was it was so powerful. I, I was in such a negative spot in my head and, and just, it was all unraveling. And, and I just thought like, okay, I'm just going to pull it all together and I'm going to, I'm going to do a performance at like do a ride that I could at least sign my name to. I'm not even going to attempt to win. I no longer care about the championship title, anything. I just want to go down and do a performance that I could, that I could sign my name to and say like, that was me. Um, and I went out and, and I and I did a ride and it, it started off kind of shaky and then as it went it got stronger and stronger and stronger, 
and then the the whistle the time went and uh, and I just kept throwing. It was like I was building up the momentum and I was like climbing out of this deep, dark hole and I was getting better and better and better and time's up, the, the ride's over, but I just kept throwing. I was just like on fire, kept going and then like the paddle gets ripped out of my hand and I just start doing tricks, tricks with no paddle and it was just like finally I could be like, like nod my head of approval and be like, yeah, that that was something that I could at least sign my name to regardless, you know, what, the, what the judges thought, what, what the score ended up being. And, uh, and it ended up, I think it was a third place finish. So I ended up on the podium and it was still, it was awesome, but it's, it's, uh, it's still super emotional for me to even like think about that state of mind that I was in and, and trying to like climb out of it. But there was no question that, that trying to go and practice, uh, the things that you had written about in that book helped me phenomenal and, and so much to get out of that, uh, that rough place that I was in. And and I guess on on the flip side of that, so one, I would say thank you for, for, for that. But on the flip side, how might, how might one practice kind of getting into that Zen like mentality in a, in a faster state in, in the scenario where you're kind of forced into something unexpectedly? Is that just through more practice? Is that all I need to do is like essentially practice more? Or is there other tips or tricks that I could use for that? Uh, nothing's tricky about this. It's, it's just straight up physiology and, uh, it's nothing magical. It's nothing like, uh, poof, poof, whatever it's, it's, you do the work. If you're a high level competitor, you have to go mind, body, spirit. And the way you connect all three, the Holy Trinity, I call them is by practicing every day, uh, mindfulness and, uh, and what you did was, was brilliant. And that was too late though. Uh, right. I didn't hear you before the first run. I didn't hear you off in the woods meditating about how you want to feel, not what you want to do, but how do you want to feel in the boat? Right. And, 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 and there you are meditating, feeling yourself, you know, you read, you read my book. Uh, but in that book, it also tells you like, 20 minutes, 30 minutes before the event begins, uh, you're off by yourself under a tree. I think I even use that example. And you're sitting there and you're, you're feeling your hips move. You're feeling your arms. You're feeling the water. You're feeling the boat. You're feeling, it's a feeling thing because the central nervous system needs to have that feeling. So I teach a a meditation that's all about feeling, not seeing. Mm-hmm. And that's why visualization is a misnomer for me because you don't want to visualize what you want to do is you want to feel arise. Yep. And uh, I just made that word up. I, I never <laughs> used that before, no, but, I, but I, truly I you want to feel, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and so the, the brilliant thing that you did was between the runs, you went up into the trees mm-hmm. and, and you felt it. And the other thing is that you told yourself, I don't care. It doesn't matter. And somehow when you take that pressure off about outcome and results and you just focus in on the little things that you can control. So I'm going to tell people out there listening, had you from the beginning got in that boat and say, what are all the essential absolute little things that I can control? Because you can control the little things. I don't know your sport that well. I mean, from talking with Jesse, I, I pick up a lot and I, and I've, I'm definitely more educated than I ever was. And, but I know like in basketball, I can control boxing out. Mm-hmm. I can control crashing the boards. 
I can control sprinting my lanes or diving for the 50-50 ball or getting in your fence and playing tough defense. I can do that. I can control that. I can't control whether the ball is going to go in the basket. Any outcome or result I cannot control. I can't control how you're going to think about me. doesn't matter. Like today, I can't control anything other than just focus on the little things. My, my intonation, my open heart, all of this, my speaking. So back to you, you, you made a decision in the second run that the outcome doesn't matter. What matters is, is I'm going to pay attention to all the things I can control. No matter what goes on, I'm going to control these things. And guess what happened? Well, it worked out for you. You had a really good run. Unfortunately, the first run was incomparable and you wound up with a very respectable finish being on the podium in third place in this championship. But you said something interesting and I can't let it go. And it's words again, you know, it's thoughts. And so this is one of your thoughts and I'm going to feed it back to you. You mentioned uh, you were, it was a wave of emotion. Did you hear that phrase that you use? Interesting concept because you're talking about the waves in the water. And, and the second time that you ran, it was that wave of emotion, that connection to your heart. It was a more heartfelt run. It was more like giving up the outcome and results and just focusing in on the wave of emotion. So I encourage people out there in anything they do in life, whether it's going interviewing for a job or, or playing for a national championship or just being with some friends and trying to make it a good evening, uh, take the wave of emotion and, and, and feel that's the emotions, the feelings and, and feel Feel your thoughts to be true. Feel, feel yourself. You know, when when I when I walk into a room, and it's a big room, three thousand people are sitting there, and uh, that's a good size audience. Uh, I've got to feel, Jerry. I've got to feel who I am. I've got to feel my energy, my chi, my. Uh, I, I I've got to feel my presence, and 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 I've got to do all the little things. You know, eye contact, voice inflection, uh, uh, going around the room, working the room, uh, putting up my hand on someone's shoulder to get their attention. Uh, uh, I can't control whether they're going to like me and I can't control whether I'm going to remember everything I want to say. But but I can do the little things. And uh, and that was the difference in your two runs as, as I analyze it. I think I think you're exactly correct. And and. My previous runs, when I had won going into finals, I had been practicing that that uh, that whole meditation and feeling before every run, and it was the fact that I was kind of rushed into uh, this finals that kind of threw me off. And even thinking about it right now, clearly what I should have done is is just run off into the woods and try to get into get into state and and that feeling uh, much sooner than than I truly did, but. Uh, anyway, thank or, you. For- or the other, th- the other thing you could have done, I'm not saying this would have worked to your advantage, but when you heard the score, 1400, whatever, yeah, your initial gut reaction is, oh my God, that's a world class. It's like, it's going to be difficult to top. Instead of yeah. looking at it and say, now that's 1400. That's pretty difficult. I have nothing to lose here. I'm just going to let it all hang out. Yeah. And I'm going to go for it. Because in I order to that. top that, I'm going to have to have an amazing run. 
And in order to have that amazing run, I'm just going to have to let go of everything. And you know what? If I let go of everything and I don't make it, so what? Because 1400 is almost impossible anyway. So, you know, you, there are many ways and many uh, mind uh, strategies that, that one can use. And, and the books that I write, I'm very big on not just writing a book and talking about a concept, as you've learned, Nick. I'm very big on talking about the concept, but then I help people to implement it. Yeah. And it's implementation that's crucial. And that's what we've been talking about here is how do you implement at game time, whether it's you're walking into an office for an interview for a job or uh, or no matter or you have to get up and give a a, a 15 minute talk to a, a group of 100 people. Uh, what do you do? Uh, the 20 minutes prior to that is going to dictate what happens when you're in the middle of things. And and so my books, The Competitive Buddha, the, you know, Thinking Body, Dancing Mind, uh, I got, I can't remember all the titles. I've got about 14, 15 books. But that said, when you, uh, when you implement it, that's when you start seeing life changes. So yeah. Yeah, that's actually one of the things that I loved so much about your book is that it's, and you even write this, I think, at the very start where you say it's this isn't a book to, meant to be read. It's a meant, meant to be like, read a chapter and then go practice that for like the next week and then go to the next chapter. Like, and anyway, it was, uh, it's such a different style that way. And, and, but when you do that, it becomes so much more powerful. And uh, anyway, it's I, meant to be a I, I say it's not meant to be read as much as it is to be experienced. Yes. Yeah. You want to experience what I'm writing. And and I write in that fashion so that you can read it and then stop and say, I'm going to go out and practice that. And this next book that I'm writing, uh, it's it's a daily, you, you're going to appreciate this. It, it, it's, it's daily lessons. So what's today? Oh, today's Monday, December 6th. Ah, I'm going to read the lesson for today. So you read that lesson. It's just like one page or something, maybe shorter. And then what I have people do is they uh, they meditate on what they've just read and then use an affirmation, which are thoughts, words, and then go out for the rest of the day and, and let the day be a reflection of, of what you just meditated on. So that's a daily practice. And that keeps people on the track of, of the way of the champion. I and, love uh, that. We'll see. We'll see how that goes down. Well, I'm I'm excited to check that out, uh, Jerry. Once it comes out, and um, just reminds me that I, I should go ahead and and just while I'm waiting for that book, I'll reread some of your other ones uh, as I get ready for some of the next events coming up next year. Jerry, I'm going to move us on to the next segment of our show because I could probably sit here and talk with you about just mindset and uh, and. Zen mentality um, for for hours on on end, but the next segment of our show is what I call the fire round, and it's just a couple quick questions that I ask all of our guests. Um, Jerry, do you by chance have a favorite quote or a quote that you currently live by? Uh, boy, I got many. I love quotes, so you you really hit me right between the eyes on that, uh, uh, Nick. Uh, I you know. Yeah, I, I, this this is one that I this is my go to on a lot of levels, and I and I hope it helps you. It's a quote by uh, Albert Einstein, and Albert Einstein once said that great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds. 
Wow. So there you go. There's a lot of people out there criticizing others. You'll never be able to do it. You'll this and that and the other thing, but it really relates to compassion and self-compassion. But I'll say it again. Great spirits, people, great spirits to me are people who are willing to take a risk to be vulnerable. People who are willing to take a risk to find out how good they could be, even if they fail. Great spirits are people who are, who are life learners and have a growth mindset. That's what I mean by great spirit. So Albert Einstein says great spirit. He was a great spirit. Great. And he had a lot of criticism from his peers. They told them, you know, this is garbage. Uh, not garbage, but they, they, they discounted him. And he said, great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds. And, and so I, I go forward in my life because the kind of work that I had been doing has, has been criticized uh, and people have poo-pooed it and put it down. That's early on, by the way. Now mm -hmm. it's like everyone's open to it and every, they can't get enough of it, you know, but so I'll, I'll start, I'll let it go with that. How's that? That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And, and it just, uh, yeah, it, it speaks volumes, both uh, from Albert Einstein's point of view, but also how that applies to so many great thinkers along the, along the way. Jerry, do you by chance have a favorite book or current book that you're reading? Oh, gosh, yeah. I, and I tend to not read sports books that much, you know, like, uh, like the kind that I write because I'm writing them all the time and it's like, right. okay. And, and I don't find that there's a lot of books out there that really, they reinforce what I'm writing. And I'm not saying I know everything, which I don't, of course, but uh, it, it's just not as stimulating. My, my book right now that I'm reading is called Cast, C-A-S-T-E. And it's a very powerful, amazing book. Uh, but uh Perhaps one of the best books I've ever read in my life was a 96-page book, um, and it's called Man's Search for Meaning. By Viktor Frankl. Love that book. Viktor Frankl. And, uh, you know, I've read it several times, and uh, I keep referring people to it. Man's Search for Meaning. It's... Uh, That's a powerful one. For, yeah, I would agree with that. Very powerful. If anybody hasn't heard or read of read that book, definitely go check it out. It's a fairly short book, and uh, but but it is very powerful. It's obviously a, it's a psychologist who was uh, who was in the concentration camps during uh, World War II and the, and the Holocaust, and yeah, just a very powerful read for sure. Yeah, and it's it's applicable to everything. Anyone who's listening to this program is yeah. going to experience in life. Because we all we all have we all have challenges, don't we? Everyone everyone I meet uh, seems to be fighting some kind of challenge, and uh, and and if that's the case, uh, and and I don't know what those challenges are, and unless I ask, but let's say I don't. Like I, you have a challenge. I, you know, Nick, I, we just met today, but you know, you you have a battle going on, and and that's why I should be kind. And, and that's why I, I should always be kind uh, because we're all in the same boat together. We come back to that boat analogy, but yeah. uh, we're all riding the same wave called yeah. life. And, uh, and Victor, Victor Frankl's book is, uh, is definitely uh, so, something that could really help. I mean, there's so many great books. I mean, gosh, you know, 
Joseph Campbell, uh, the hero's journey. Oh mm-hmm. my, oh my, you know, you start getting into that and, uh, talk about understanding yourself. And, uh, Joseph Campbell said, uh, once said, and this is a, he said that, uh, everything I know about myself, uh, has come from those precious moments of my competitive days. He was, he was, uh, one-tenth of a second off the world, the world, uh, t- uh, uh, record in the 800 meters on the track at wow. Columbia university. Yeah. Many people don't know that about this, this genius, this amazing, remarkable man. But uh, the Joseph Campbell uh, book, uh, one of the best books I ever read, too, was uh, uh, Carlos Castaneda's, uh, not The Journey to Ixland. It was the other one, uh, The Teachings of Don Juan. Okay, I haven't read uh, that one. Think, huh? I said I haven't read that one. I'll have to read that for sure. Yeah, The, the Teachings of Don Juan is one paragraph in that book that I remember from reading it 50 years ago. And, uh, and that one paragraph changed my life. And in that paragraph, he said, there's only one mistake you can make in life. Imagine, you know, I'm a young kid, right? And, and I'm reading something, he said, there's only one mistake you can make. And I'm thinking, oh, throw it at me, you know, because <laughs> I don't want to make this mistake. And he said, the only mistake that any of us can make is to not follow our hearts. And by that, he meant our inner voice our intuitive sense about what we know is right and not right at the moment. And he also went on to say that even if you uh, don't like the outcome of following your heart, it's better than not following your heart and having that outcome. And, and, and so ever since I read that, I've been following my heart. That's why I wrote Thinking Body, Dancing Mind when people were saying it won't bounce, it won't go, publishers won't take it. You know, I was down 15 publishers said no. And then the 16 publishers said yes. That's well, powerful. In, that book I, in that book, I talk about, uh, you know, you see some of you, uh, you, you're driving on a road trip and you look off to the side and you see this train pulling 100 cars. Right. And it's got this little hill. It's got to go up on a railroad grade. Um, you know, it's a steam engine. I'm talking about the old days. Uh, that steam engine. Uh, if, if the water in, 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 in the steam engine uh, is at 211 degrees, 211 Fahrenheit, uh, it cannot budge. It, it, it can't move an inch. But one more degree, 212, it'll take those 100 cars over the mountain. Wow. So how many times in our life do we not wait for that one more degree? And, and thinking body, dancing mind, you know, 15 times turned down. I just kept going back. And the, the 16th time I got someone that loved it. Now it's my bestseller in 13 languages or something like that. And it's been <laughs> out for 30 years. My God, That's 30 awesome. years. It's a long time. Yeah, it's, it's a long time. And you, you have uh, influenced a lot of people, Jerry. Um, I've got another question here for you. And if today was your last day on earth and everything that you've done, all your, all of your books, um, all of your, your keynote speeches, all of your titles, everything that you've won, it's all to go away with you. And all that you're left with is a piece of paper and a pen that you could leave three truths. This could be for your friends, your family members, uh, for any of the, the teams out there that you've coached along the way. What might those three truths be? Boy, you, you have 
you have asked a very, very, very important question. Because what you're doing is you're, you're really forcing the issue of, you know, what's really matters, you know, what really matters. Uh, but back to your question. And, and again, for those of you listening, you know, I, I'm a seeker and a wanderer uh, in my mind. And, and, and so uh, I seek the truth. And uh, truths are those things that, that uh, you can count on. And, uh, you know, so, so I take this question really seriously and I'm not sure I'm going to, I'm not going to hit, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to hit the top three, but let me give a shot at it. So, uh, the, the three, you're asking me, what are the three truths I want to leave people with? Correct. Um, the first one is all you need is love. (laughs) Uh, but in order for me to say that, I'd have to go on for another hour and talk about love <laughs> because of what that means. But, but, but everything comes from a place of love, leadership, uh, performance, uh, family, connection. We all crave connection, caring, and what have you. So, so love, love, love is the key uh, right there. Uh, the other truth is that um, uh, any change that you're trying to make, change, change is slow. It's going to be real change. I'm not just talking about like changing your hat or buying a new car. I'm talking about real personal change in your life is slow uh, and it's steady and it's incremental. And uh, if you rush it, you will fail. Uh, So my expression is, my truth is go slower, arrive sooner. Uh, you got to slow down. We're, we're trying to rush. You know, we're trying, you know, we're on this speeding train looking at daisies rather than getting off the train and smelling them and picking them and, and so forth. And, it, and this is true, whether you're a parent raising kids, go slow. You know, they, their, their growth is going to be a slow, gen, uh, gradual process. So that's the second truth. And the third truth, uh, um, I, I think to me, uh, kindness. Kindness is key. Uh, nobody ever got anywhere, anywhere in the world being unkind, particularly internally. Uh, so change is slow. Love is, love is crucial and be kind. Uh, and, and kindness goes along with that, with the love, but, but boy, kindness, uh, like when you're looking at people and understanding that they have a struggle in life uh, rather than being critical or, or, or avoiding them, uh, be kind, you know? I love that, Jerry. You have just dropped three serious knowledge bombs right there and, and enlightened us all. Um, this has been such a fun conversation and I, I feel like I am learning so much and I would love to just talk with you for hours, but I'm going to kind of wrap it up for us. Um, one final thing that I try to do for all of my guests on the show, Jerry, is I try to provide any value that I can. So is there anything that you're focusing on right now that I could possibly help you out with or, or maybe even my listeners? Just keep doing your good work. Uh, I think this podcast is serving uh, an enormous, I don't know what your 
I have a podcast myself. And uh, so I don't know what your numbers are on that. But even if even if there's 10 people listening and, and two out of 10, uh, because of what they listen to today, uh, has changed their life for the better. Wow. I mean, that that's amazing. Uh, you know, there are CEOs and corporations that can't do that in a year. And uh, so the value of what you're providing for people, uh, you know, just keep just continue with that and, and know that you're making a difference. Uh, I know, you know, you're not getting big bucks for all the work you're putting into this. Uh, it certainly deserves it because what you are is you're, you're, you're teaching, you're, you're teaching through other voices and you're providing that environment, which is amazing. Um, well, thank you for that. Your words are kind. Well, they're true. Uh, if you speak truth, uh, they're going to sound like that. And, uh, uh, but there's another side too. truth sometimes doesn't sound kind, but even if it doesn't sound kind, it is kind because you, you have the opportunity to grow. Uh, if you told true. me something about myself that I need to know, I might not want to hear it. In fact, many lessons that I've learned in life, I didn't want to hear them. I didn't want to have a lesson, but I needed it. And, and so that was kind, uh, you know, my kids will tell me every day how I can be a better dad. Yeah. You know, and I have to listen. That's my job. And so that's kind. You know, they, they love me enough to criticize what I'm doing, to demand from me something much better than they're getting. That so, so true. And we could we could go deep into parenting and 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 how uh, I man, that's something that I feel like that's I another show. We all I mean. I have a book, actually. I have a book on parenting. Do you? Uh, What's it called? Sports. Yeah, it, it's called uh, Let Them Play. Let Them Play. It's okay. all about parents out there who are over-enthusiastic and don't know, how to, don't know how to work with their kids and parent athletic kids. It's all about mindful parenting of athletic kids. Maybe that's the, the next one I'm going to have to check out then, Jerry. Let Them Play. I think you need to read that. You're a parent and you've got two young, great spirits there that are, going, that are athletic already and they're... And, and you're going to fall into the trap that we all fall into that I have. And I made a thousand mistakes with my first one. By the time I got to my fourth one, I only made about 200. You know? <laughs> there so, we go. I love anyway, that. Uh, I would, uh, if people are interested in, in knowing more about me, uh, my website is uh, wayofchampions.com. And my email address is uh, wayofchampions.com at gmail.com and uh, all my information's on there and all the books and there's all kinds of videos and fun things to look at. So awesome. Well, there, there you guys have it. Go check out way of champions. Uh, send Jerry a message. If, if you want to connect with him, are you on, are you on any of the social medias, Jerry? Are you on like Instagram or Facebook? Okay. Go on them. You know, like okay. uh, my, my <laughs> like I have, I have no personally, I have no personal reason to go on like Facebook, but my business is on there. Right. Uh, all the social media platforms. Yeah. We, you know, my assistant has got me up there and, and, but I, I just, uh, I realized that they can be valuable, but I also realize the, uh, the downside of that too. And, yep. and so I'm pretty happy without doing that. Awesome. Well, guys, uh, check out Jerry on, go check out his website, Way of the Champions. And if you guys. No, 
not way of the champions. It's way of champions. Way of champions. Oh, I'm so sorry. Way of champions. Way of champions.com. And please go check out some of his books, any of his books. They're all phenomenal. But uh, if you're interested, his latest book, uh, The Competitive Buddha, phenomenal read. Um, again, one of my personal favorites is Thinking Body, Dancing Mind. We talked about that a lot. But uh, yeah, if you guys are interested in upping your game, whether it be through athletics, um, whether through parenting, whether just in, in life and everyday excellence, uh, definitely check them out. Again, thank you so very much, Jerry, for your time with us. And as always, if you guys got any value out of this, which I'm sure you must have because I've got a, a, a ton of value from all of uh, Jerry's lessons and stories, if you guys could please just share that out with one person, somebody that you think might need to hear this, whether it be a friend, a family member, um, anyone, an athlete of uh, that, you, that you might know, someone that you think might need to hear this, please help us uh, share this out to more people and, and just kind of grow our community as a whole. It would be greatly appreciated by me and definitely also uh, if you guys are looking for a holiday gift, maybe uh, gift one of Jerry's books to someone in need as well. Thank you all for tuning in. And as always, I'm Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.